first reading is from the book of Acts, chapter 9, Saul's conversion. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if, if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are per persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading is not a gospel reading, it's from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning to read at verse 6. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For those who enter God's rest also rest from their own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The word of God. And this morning we are delighted to welcome Catherine and Gift with their particular take on work with the Word of God. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, this is our first time to actually attend this service. We've been in England for the last, uh, since December, it's five months now. My name is Gift. This is Catherine, my wife. We've been married since 2007. Am I right? Yes. <laughs> Sometimes I get it wrong. <laughs> I give the date of birth for the boys instead of our wedding. Anyway, uh, we have James, who is uh, 10 now, and Simon Peter, who is 7 and 8 now, I think. <laughs> yeah, um, we came with a small clip of about five minutes to share with you uh, about our life in Uganda. And I would like to give that chance to play the clip, and then Catherine will say a few words, and I will continue. Thank you. Uh, 
My name is Catherine Asiku. My name is Gift Asiku. I work in the Literacy and Scripture Engagement Department. My role is to coordinate the Bible translation and language development work. I first came to Uganda on a short-term placement to work in literacy. I met Gift, who is now my husband, and I've ended up staying a lot longer than I planned. We have two boys called James, who's eight, and Simon Peter, who's six. They love living in Uganda because there's a lot of freedom. They can go out and play. Our day starts at about a quarter past six in the morning. The boys have to go to school much earlier than they would in the UK. They have to be there by 7.30. We ride on that road to the school. And then we go and collect the milk, which is a short walk from our house. The journey to the office takes just over seven minutes. I work every day in the office until one o'clock. Then we come home for lunch and then Gift goes back to the office. I go and meet the children and then help them to do their homework. In the evening we, we have supper together. The Bible Translation Office in Entebbe is, is like a hub that provides services to the rest of the projects in this country. It provides consultant services in translation, in linguistics, finances, in computer support, supervision, of the translation projects. This great team we have here in Uganda has one big goal, to see transformed lives of the people in this country through Bible translation into the language that people speak every day. I work in the area of literacy and scripture engagement. Most of my work involves producing materials in local languages to help people to read and write in their mother tongue and to help people to read and understand the Bible and apply it to their lives. Some of the materials I produce include calendars, wall charts for classrooms, Bible study guides, Bible story books, books of local stories and proverbs, and primers and teaching guides. My biggest challenge is that the team I work with are in language areas, and to meet them face to face, I need to travel for six hours or eight hours to meet them. It's a long distance, and I'll have to be away from home for three to four days, at least. Uh, in Uganda, we have uh, five Bible translation projects, and uh, all the five have finished the New Testament, and three of them have just started doing the Old Testament. Then we have other four projects that are yet to start translation of New Testament. I enjoy living and working in Uganda. It has its challenges, getting used to having power cuts and water supply failures now and again. At the office, we're fortunate enough to have a generator. I don't have a training in translation. I don't have a training in linguistics. I'm a teacher by profession. Uh, my training is also in IT. So bringing those skills into Bible translation has been a great experience. The joy in this work is seeing the smiles in the faces of the people when they receive portions of the New Testament or of the Bible. Sometimes it's only a chapter and they're able to read it. That's, that has been my highlight every time. For me, it's a privilege to work here for Wycliffe. I'm excited that I can play a small part in enabling people to have books to read in their language. I get very excited when the books I've been working on together with my colleagues finally come back from the printer to unpack them from the box and see the work complete. 
As speakers of English, we are very blessed and fortunate to have at least 122 different versions of the Bible in our language. But what about those many people in the world that don't have a single verse of the Bible in their language? There's an injustice here. We are Bible rich, they are Bible poor. I feel very blessed to be part of Wycliffe Bible Translators. To be able to do something tangible. There's no any other writing or any other publication like the Bible, which comes so powerfully and transforms lives. It transforms my life. I know it has transformed other people's lives. Good morning. It's lovely to be with you today. My name is Catherine Asiku, and I grew up in a small town called Staines, which has recently renamed itself as Staines-upon-Thames, which makes it sound very posh, <laughs> in Middlesex. And uh, God called me to go and do something different. Um, I think I had a, an early midlife crisis when I, after turning 30, and uh, I was working for Cheshire County Council as a librarian, and I loved my job, and I really enjoyed uh, working with people and uh, working with books. And um, God challenged me to go and do something different because uh, it was as if I was putting my security in my job and in what I was doing rather than in God and in trusting him to use the gifts and abilities he's given me to serve him. So um, I joined Wycliffe to do a two-year placement in northwestern Uganda to do something to do with literacy in two languages from South Sudan. And while I was there, I met Gift, who's now my husband. And I've ended up staying, as I said in the video, much longer than I planned. So when you step out in faith, trusting God, you never know where he's going to take you and how your journey is going to develop. But um, it's been wonderful, and I don't regret it at all. Um, so we're going to tell you a little bit about what we do in Uganda. You've seen the video, and I hope that's given you an idea of what our lives are like there. So for those of you who are not sure where Uganda is, it's in East Africa, about halfway down on the equator, on the right-hand side, and we have Lake Victoria as part of our border. We live in Entebbe, which is on the shores of Lake Victoria, well known for the famous airport raid. Um, it's a beautiful place to live, beautiful trees and many birds. For those of you who love bird watching, Uganda is the place. Mm. Um, I work as literacy and scripture engagement assistant, which means I help to produce books and materials in the languages that the Bible is being translated into. I don't speak all those languages, but other people who write those books ask me to help them to do the formatting and the desktop publishing on the computer. And uh, obviously, I liaise closely with them so that we get all the words and pictures and everything in the right place. And then they take those materials round to schools and churches and marketplaces and sell them so that people can have those materials at home or in their schools or churches to use. GIFT is the language programs coordinator, which means he oversees the Old Testament translation projects and uh, the translation, the literacy and the scripture engagement activities that are going on in those languages. And as he said in the video, um, we're based in Entebbe, but he has to travel to those language areas to go and supervise those teams. We're building a new house in Entebbe 
Up to now, we've been renting, but we felt it was time to buy some land and build a house. And gradually, we've been able to build the ground floor. And we're going to move into that when we go back to Uganda at the end of this month. At the moment, there's no kitchen in there, but there is one working bathroom. Um, so we're keen to finish that kitchen and the flooring and make it our home. Uh, James and Simon Peter have been blessed to go to school here in Hearn Junior School, and they love it. But in Uganda, they go to school in Entebbe Christian School, which is a small private Christian school, and they're taught in English, and they go to school in the Uganda curriculum, the Uganda system. Some people have asked me, have your parents been to visit you? And uh, my mum last came out to see us in October 2017. And my father has also been. And uh, my mum loves Uganda and loves coming to visit us. Um, we, when we came to Hern Bay, which is actually our kind of second home here, apart from Catherine's mum and dad's place in Tunbridge, we went for a service somewhere in, you can sit down to be comfortable. Yes. Uh, we went to attend a service where we met Paulette and uh, she kindly invited us to come and see and, and where she prays. And uh, when we came in here, we just felt welcome, loved. And yeah, that first day of us coming to this church, brought to me the, the image of what a church is supposed to be. A church is supposed to be a place which is safe. A place where we, when we feel vulnerable, when we feel weak, we can go to. A place where we can worship. I felt like that on that very first day. I felt welcome. I felt loved. And we all felt that several people came to speak to us on that first day. And we've been coming back here after every two years of our ministry in Uganda. Oh, by the way, join me to congratulate my wife. She received a certificate of serving with Weekly for 15 years. We got it through the post yesterday. I was like, ah, oh, 15 years now. And actually, almost 12 of those years have been with me. <laughs> yeah, so we, we, we felt really part of this church. And, and from that time, God has really blessed us. We've sat here, we've listened to his word. We've listened to testimonies. And that's one of the reasons as to why after every two years, we come back to this country to listen, to hear God speak to us, to be refreshed, to be filled with the word of God. And in our first reading of the book of Acts, Paul was transformed because he heard Christ speak to him through his word. You are persecuting me. Why are we Christians? 
I am a Christian. Christ's followers. He wants us to use our gifts, our talents, and give them back to him. He wants us to be the light that brings people to his kingdom. We've just gone through the time of Lent, and we've seen Christ died for us. He died. He rose again. We still witness and see the empty cross. When he rose again, we see the empty tomb. But above all, Christ is coming. He is coming to take you and me to be with him in heaven. Last week, I was meeting with youngsters in Tunbridge. And they came and wanted to experience what it means to be a Christian. And ask all the questions they could ask about Christianity. And we were four of us in a panel. I remember two difficult questions they asked us. One of them is, do you accept everything in the Bible? Do you accept everything in the Bible? I told them, I wish they had reframed that question to say, do you believe in the word of God? Do you believe in the Bible? And I said, I will ask, answer it that way. And I told them, the Bible is the word of God. It's the best way God speaks to me. And if there's anything I see in the Bible which is challenging, which is difficult, which I don't agree with, I read it more. So I would encourage you to read it more. Even if there's something there you don't agree with, read it more. That was my answer to them. I don't know what your answer would be. If your grandchild or your son or your brother asks you that question. And the second question they asked me was, why did you become a Christian? And I told them, because Christ is coming. I thought I need to be on his side. <laughs> the message of his coming is what is more powerful to me. I know he has saved me, redeemed me. He has made me a new creation. I still do sin, and I know he has his grace to forgive me, and I try my best not to go back to sin. But the message of Christ coming again as a savior and as a judge is what made me to become a Christian. And some of them laughed, and others were like, he's coming again. And today, I just wanted to re-echo that. Christ is coming again. We had the reading from Hebrews. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. In our ministry out in Uganda, that's the main thing. We reach out to people through his word. People groups who do not understand English well enough. 
or the neighboring language well enough. It took us 13 years on average to translate the New Testament into five languages. 13 years of waiting for five language groups in Uganda. And in Uganda, there are 42 languages spoken. That includes English and Swahili. And out of all those 42 languages spoken in the country, 17 of them have got a Bible translated into their language. With what we did in the last uh, 13 years, eight languages now have the New Testament. Some of the languages or people groups in the country still do not have access to God's full word, the Bible. For some of us here, we're very fortunate. Several years ago, John Wycliffe, Cameron Townsend, Tyndale, and many other people sacrificed their lives to translate God's word from Hebrew and Greek into English. Just imagine if I came to the church this morning and read this to you. Mungu niba nyakwe di lele turisi. Erifemvi erini tile alore. Dini, badria alo alo erea ipira rima jadriku. Temaovo idri dani dani ribe. That's the word of God. Did you understand it? Do you know which language it is? That's the reason as to why Wycliffe Bible Translation and United Bible, Transla United Bible Society or British Bible Societies and other translation agencies want to reach out the world with God's word. My wife and I and several other people are part of that story. And today, the reason as to why we are here in this church thank you, Paulette, for inviting us, is to invite this church to be part of that story. That you can do something here to bring God's word to places where it's not existing. Now we have seen churches grow, thrive, in the last six years in the language areas where our work has been done. Because the pastors are able to testify and say, I can now read the Bible in my language and understand it straight away. And it makes it easy for me to preach to my people. I think that's what the Church of God universally has to do to make sure that God speaks to people in the language of their heart, the language they use every day, 
the language they use for rebuking others, the language they use for saying good things and for saying bad things. What language does God use to speak to you? When we newly got married, I would wake up in the morning and start speaking to my wife in my mother tongue. And uh, sometimes she would like, I don't understand this. It happened a few times anyway. I still dream in my language, that is true. When I read the Bible in English, I still sometimes have to translate it into my language to get a better understanding. I was reading from the book of John chapter 3 verse 16. All of you may know that by heart. And that's one of the verses that brought me to Christianity. And how did that come? I read it several times, but it was until I saw Jesus' film translated into my language. And I saw Jesus speaking to me in the language I use for abusing people, for saying bad things to others. Into the language, the language God was speaking, Jesus was speaking in this film, was the language I use. And another verse in the Jesus film that struck me was come to me, all ye who are heavy laden, I will give you rest. And in my language, heavy burden or heavy laden, the, the, the word is kulumbu. Kulumbu in its expression means something you cannot actually carry. Your burdens are so big that you can't even move with them. My sins were so big for me. Christ opened my eyes to see things I needed to give to him, repent, and ask for his forgiveness. And that is one of the things, those are some of the things that inspired me to join Wycliffe Bible Translators in 2009, along with my wife. Both of us decided during this time when we are still young, energetic, we could do something tangible that will transform the lives of people. Make a little contribution towards extending the kingdom of God. So in 2017, we witnessed the Lugungu people receive God's word. I was involved throughout the process. We finished the translation. We sent the manuscript to South Korea. It was published there, printed from there, shipped, and brought to our country. And I went with copies before the dedication and called some small girls from a primary school. I said, do you know what this is? They said, no, we don't know. I said, 
just open a page. So they opened it. One of the girls started reading straight away. For the very first time, he had never read God's word in her language. She had never read it. But she knew how to read in her own language. And she was reading it fluently. Yes. In the end, I asked her, do you understand it? She said, I understand everything. That is the power of God's word. I was excited. And we celebrated with them. I prayed for them. And then the next day we had the dedication. That's what the word of God should be to us. That it comes clearly. And it makes impact in our lives. In Revelations chapter 7 verse 9. I'll go straight to the middle. A great multitude that no one could number. From every nation. From all tribes and people and languages. Standing before the throne. And before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and the Lamb. We had over 16,000 people who came to the dedication of the Loguere New Testament. Loguere and Banyole people are supported through Wycliffe Bible translators here in the UK and some churches. They send gifts and donations for the work of that project. Over 200 people gave their lives after watching Jesus' film. The organizers said they actually failed to count everybody who came to the front and said they want to be followers of Christ. I was there that night. As a church, you can be part of this story of God's work all over the world. You can pray for this work as a church or as an individual. Catherine and I, James and Simon Peter, we plan to be going back to Uganda at the end of the month. We will need your prayers. We will need your financial support. For our work. Wycliffe Bible translators, missionaries all over the world depend on gifts and donations from friends and from churches. And the same is us. So we will invite you to join us and pray for us. And for those of you who are young, if there's any, you're welcome to join us. Those of you who are in their 70s and 80s, you're welcome to visit us. If you have the opportunity, you want to come abroad to spend some time 
and see what we're doing. Come and visit us. That will encourage us. And after service, you're welcome to take a small souvenir we put together and we have a table down there for you to just look at some of the things we do. Please go home with our prayer card, put it on your fridge, in your bedroom, or in your Bible, so you can remember to pray for the work of Wycliffe Bible Translators and pray for us. And if the Lord has blessed you with some money that you would like to give towards our work to support us as a family, there's a, a site here, you just follow it, or you just write an email to us, we will give you a direction on how to do that. That is how you can be part of it. We would like to continue to be your hands and your feet to take God's word to Africa. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, we thank you that you have your church in the world that loves you because you first loved the church. Thank you for this congregation that has welcomed us, loved us, and want to continue to support and pray for the work that we do and for us. Lord, you've reminded us this day that we should come to you. The day of our salvation is today. And you've reminded us to be part of this story of reaching out to the world with your word. And Jesus, you said in John chapter 8, 12, I am the light of the world. May you help us to sign your light that more people will come to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.